What's going on, friends? This is Ro from the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. You're tuned in to the Coruscant Radio Underground. May the Force be with you. Welcome back, Star Wars fans, to another episode of Coruscant Radio Underground from thesciencefictionary.com, which is back up and running, by the way. The website's back, and big things in store, hopefully, this year, as well as some other big news, hopefully, coming down the road with the podcast. But I'm Andrew Gore. I'm here tonight with Marisha. Hey, everybody. And we're going to talk a little Star Wars. I, you know, it's we're still kind of feeling out this period, uh, this this three year dead period of uh, what exactly are we going to talk about for the next three years? But <laughs> <laughs> well, eventually, presumably, we'll have the Mandalorian back, right? Uh, we're going to get the Mandalorian, and we've got some big news coming down the pipe with Project Luminous. Right. Well, um, and eventually, hopefully, we're still getting the Obi-Wan series unless they want all of Star Wars fandom to riot. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on right now. But, you know, it's three years. We talk about it being three years out for the next movie. But the truth is that means something's got to go into production real soon. Yep. So there's, there's going to be plenty of, of news. And I really hope they're not going to push that three-year uh, time frame back. I don't think they want to do that, Andrew. The thing is, they've got a lot of money tied up in Star Wars, and they're sinking more money into it all the time. They are, but with the current hiccups in everything that's going on, and, and we're going to talk about that, and you know, kind of the new thing, or it's not really a new thing, it's kind of where I started off on this podcast. My, my whole thing is, is I like to talk Star Wars, and when I say I like to talk Star Wars, I primarily like to talk in-universe Star Wars. Right. You don't um, like to talk behind-the-scenes drama Star Wars? So the behind-the-scenes drama stuff is not something I really love to get into, but sometimes it gets big enough, and you want to talk some news, but sometimes the behind-the-scenes crap gets big enough that you got to step aside and talk about it. Well, it starts to affect the universe. It starts to affect the the rate at which Star Wars is happening and the quality of Star, you know, it starts to affect things eventually. Well, and you're also, you know, just like with any other large group, you can lower the morale of of your fandom. Right. Every time you have a hiccup and you set something back because of some behind the scenes problems, right? You're affecting the morale of your fandom that you're hopefully building. I mean, you know, when you talk Star Wars, I mean, you for most of the last forty years, you're talking about the fan base. Like, right. Star Wars is always been one of the largest fan bases for any franchise. Really ever. rivaled only by Star Trek. And really, even then, that's still not necessarily... Star Trek has never put up the numbers in theaters. No, it's a different kind of fandom. It is. I mean, the, the hardcore Star Trek fans are just as hardcore as hardcore yes. Star Wars fans. And turns out there's hardcore Ghostbusters fans. My brother-in-law is one of those. Mm. 
Who knew? <laughs> There's a little fewer of them than of us, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There's always a nice contingent at all the cons. Ooh, I'm speaking of. I know it doesn't have anything to do with Star Wars, though, but how about that new Ghostbusters movie? Speaking trailer, of nerdy things. Trailer was good, and the truth be told, <sighs> see, I'm, I like Ghostbusters. I like the first Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. The second Ghostbusters is just awful. <laughs> Is that the one with the the Baron and the painting? Yes. Okay. Um, there's some funny stuff. The best thing about that is that Rick Moranis is in it. That's yeah. like literally the best thing about that <laughs> entire movie. Um, but even the first one, just because of the the technology and everything that went into making that movie, it's kind of campy. Yeah. It's fun. The first one is is a classic for a reason. Yeah. But this movie actually, when we talk about a lot of these sequels coming years later, we don't often get to talk about the possibility of them exceeding mm-hmm. their predecessors. But that's a real possibility Yes, with this Ghostbusters movie. You know, and I didn't actually see the Ghostbusters movie that came out a few years ago. But just from watching the trailers, you definitely got the impression that it was just intended to be funny. They went... The, Okay, so a lot of times when you come back to a, you go pick up something. It, it's kind of kind of what I blame for the hiccups in Star Wars, mm-hmm. uh, with both the prequels and the sequel trilogy because mm-hmm. of the big gaps in between. Right, it, is that you put something down for twenty years and you come back to it, especially if it's somebody new creating. Right. With with the with the prequels, the story still fell pretty much in line. Right. There were some other hiccups where George didn't seem as willing to listen to other people. Mm-hmm. But you get this. His vision is a little bit different. Right. His way of viewing the world. It's like you go pick your ball up three years later and it's a little flat. You have to right. kind of, you know, baby a little bit to get it back where it used to be. <laughs> right. Well, and you kind of get the effect. You know, Tolkien had this issue where he never could finish new work, which drove the publishers nuts. Right. And part of the problem with that was both the backstory he was building, he was creating languages, he right. was doing all this crazy stuff. He was like, oh no, continuity. He was also rewriting The Hobbit constantly. Right. Oh, I bet they hated him so much. They <laughs> hate, loved him. He made them so much money, but he just dragged it out indefinitely. <laughs> yeah. So, I, you know, I guess the upside for them is they're still, you know, raking in the money. And, I, and that was kind of, you know, we haven't done a, re- we haven't recorded since uh, Christopher Tolkien's passing. Oh, that's true. The so, um, yeah. And, you know, the, the, liter- the literary world lost a giant. For in sure. For Tolkien. He doesn't get the credit he deserves. As a writer. As a writer in his own right. Mm-hmm. People don't realize how much work. I don't think people realize how much he was affecting his father's work during the writing of The Lord of the Rings. Well, The Hobbit was originally written as a series of letters to my son, Christopher. Right. But then later, his, I believe when Christopher Tolkien, maybe when he was in college... He was reviewing every time his father finished a chapter of The Lord of the Rings, it was sent to him right. to be read and send back his notes on it. And mm-hmm. uh, Christopher Tolkien is just as big a, is a huge part of the world building in sure. The Lord of the Rings. Well, and everything that's been published since, since J.R.R. Tolkien died has largely been his son's work. Yeah. I mean, he never was one to go slap his name on everything. 
Um, no, because his, he was more interested in preserving his father's legacy than creating his own. Right. But um, as a result, I think maybe it's easy to forget yeah. how influential he and how much he was a, a writer in his own right because he took these fragments of things and made them a coherent story. Um, so, yeah, definitely, definitely a big loss. I mean, he had a very long and full life, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, married for like, I don't know, 60 years or something ludicrous like that. You know, children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. So he definitely had a long and full life, but it's definitely a loss. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see who picks up the mantle mm-hmm. in the Tolkien family. Um, yeah. But back to where I was going with that was, you know, as far as the Ghostbusters thing, like a lot of times, like, you come back to something years later and you, especially if it's not the original writer, it's like you might've taken something different away from those right. stories than other people. Yeah. And the, the people that made that Ghostbusters movie a few years ago, they really latched on to the humor and slapstick right. elements of it. I, and I think that happened a little bit with the sequel trilogy where JJ mm-hmm. and Ryan, they took different things away from the originals as children. Yeah, and that's fair. And also, Ryan Johnson's a lot younger than J.J. Abrams. Isn't he? Mm, He can't be that much younger. Really? Okay, maybe not. And I think that's a really interesting point that it's it's exciting to see fans create, you know, people who love things creating new things. You know, people who love Star Wars creating new Star Wars. But yeah, it's definitely Star Wars as they see it. And that's valid, but it may, the problem is that everyone else feels that the way that they saw Star Wars whenever they were 12 years old is equally valid. And so I think that's where a lot of the conflict comes from. You know, just lots of different, you know, different ways of looking at things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, As far as their age, JJ's 53 and Ryan is 46. Okay, so so they're they're a little closer in age than I. You know, I had an interesting conversation with um with my aunt last week, uh, Cameron's mom, uh, my aunt Patsy, and she was talking about when she was twelve, her group of friends they went to see Star Wars and they got done with it and they called their ride and said, "Don't come get us, we're going to watch it again." Um, so it's always interesting to hear people who maybe aren't still rabid Star Wars fans, but who how much of an inf- how much of an impact it had on people when it came out. It's really remarkable. Mm-hmm. You know, even people who don't like us sit around and obsess about Star Wars long terms. I mean, she sat and taught. I mean, she talked about you know just how how much of an effect like Princess Leia had on her as a twelve year old girl. I mean, she was pretty much the same age as I was when the prequels came out. So I thought that was really, it was really interesting, a uh, really interesting perspective. So yeah, the the things we take away from it, it's important. And I think that's one of the things that makes Star Wars so incredibly relevant is that there are so many different things you can take from it. Yeah, there's there's a lot of different things you can take from it while it's, it's very centrally, you know, centrally positioned around just the very human story. Right. I think that those two things, the fact that it's so broad, but it's still so, so familiar, mm-hmm. that it, it's what allows it to appeal to such a broad audience. And of course, people walk away with their, their own life experiences dictate that they right. walk away with different things from the film. Yeah, It's very fundamental, though. The things that Star Wars speaks to 
are very fundamental things. The the kind of desire that we all have to see ourselves as special and different and the ability to do good things even whenever we're surrounded by bad people and when our parents and grandparents are bad people and, you know, whenever evil is easy to still do the good thing. You know, those are very basic human experiences. And so I think that's why it's continued to be so relevant. I mean, 43 years later, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's something. So kind of where we were headed was there's just, like I said, I like to talk in universe Star Wars. I, right. I like to get into it. I, I'm, I'm a sucker for mythologies. Yes, and it's true, y'all. It's very, <laughs> very true. So I really like delving into the story, and we're going to do plenty of that. I think we'll probably talk a little bit. Last episode, we talked about Kylo Ren's character, and mm-hmm. we may get a little side. bit into Ray's character in this episode. But yeah. All right. Well, unfortunately, I'll have to edit out a lot of what just happened uh, because we were away from our microphones. It's not the first time that Marisha almost burned the house down, but it is the first Whatever. time that she almost burned the house down. During the podcast. Whatever. I didn't burn anything down. I didn't almost burn the house down. I got a cast iron kettle so that it wouldn't catch on fire if I accidentally forgot about it. That kettle was not cast iron. I did not. Stainless steel, not cast iron. Oh, man. My poor brain. I blame my children. I was so smart before children, right, love? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Andrew, he's smart. He knows the right answer. Oh, goodness. All right. So, anyway, Star Wars. So, anyway. Drama. So, yeah. Tell us I, about the drama, love. So, I, I do think that we're doing a Star Wars podcast. I do think when there's big things happening that we got to step aside and talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it's not in-universe stuff. I mean, you can only do so much in-universe stuff and record an every-week podcast. Right. Um, or at least, you know. Until we come up with better topics. Maybe that's our fault. Once again, we've had a delay on a series. Yep. The Obi-Wan series has been delayed. Now, my understanding is that this may not affect the release date. That's at least what Ewan McGregor is strongly indicating. Ewan McGregor is, but he's also saying the script is fine. Right. Or at least what he read was fine. He seems to be real good at towing the line. So He follows the rules pretty good, I think. Yeah, I mean, but I don't think he would have really spoke up that much. That's true. He didn't have to. That's true. Um, If he felt strongly. If he were the one that said this script is rubbish, Then he would have just probably kept his mouth shut. Yeah. I I suspect there's some truth on both sides and some just like kind words to patch things over, over, you know. But... You know, this is it's the, we, not we, good. No, it, it's not. It's a bad look. It's we've had we've had two series. You you had three series in the work. The first one is brilliant. It's one of the best pieces of mm-hmm. TV ever made. Yep, it's excellent. The Mandalorian is just that good. And then we get announcements that they're having to bring in Gilroy to fix the scripts. Apparently, a full rewrite of the scripts for Cassian, and then. We get a look, you know, we start hearing some news on that that maybe they're getting close to ready to move forward, and then we get a cancellation on Obi Wan yeah. or a, a postponement. And all this was preceded, you know, there were some honestly really bad sources that were talking about the 
cancellation of the Obi-Wan series about five or six days ahead of the news that it had been delayed indefinitely. Right. It's just, it's starting to be a trend. They rewrote from all accounts, pretty much the entire and refilmed the entire third act for Rogue One. They fired the directors for Solo. They fired the directors for, they followed, fired Colin Trevorrow from episode nine. It doesn't look good. And like you said, it it hurts the morale. It's like having a football team that loses and loses and loses. And eventually your fans start coming to Saints games with paper bags on their heads. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 a bad look. And I have done nothing but defend Kathleen Kennedy. I've mm-hmm. defended her here on this show. Mm-hmm. I I I do acknowledge that she certainly should bear some blame for the problems that have happened in the past. That's what happens when you're the boss. But I'm running out of words. <laughs> um the truth is, and, and the thing is, is I still will readily and happily acknowledge she's one of the most successful, talented producers of all time. Yeah. She is, but she's never handled anything on her own remotely like what Star, what they want Star Wars to be. Well, and, and But the truth is, is that nobody really has other exactly. than Kevin Feige. That's exactly what I was getting ready to say. You know, and to say that she's not doing a great job with this isn't necessarily a slam on her as a producer. It's just that it's like saying, I think you're exactly right. She, most people aren't going to be that person. No, and I mean, you look across the board, look at the other big franchises out there right now. I mean, Marvel's just clicking away. I mean, they're mm-hmm. getting ready to start their new phase and we'll see what yep. happens because they're kind of going back to the drawing board a little bit. And so we'll see how that goes over. But you look across the aisle at DC. Yeah. DC has been a train wreck. They've yes. managed to churn out a couple of good movies. Yep. They've turned out a bunch of stinkers. <sighs> Yeah. Wonder Woman is great. Shazam was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, Aquaman was good. Yeah. But look at the Justice League movies. Look at Batman versus Superman. Oh, Batman look at Suicide Superman. Squad. I yeah. mean. I mean, even Daniel, who was our, our resident DC apologist, man, he loves him some DC. He's like, yeah, that movie wasn't great. <laughs> right. Which is pretty much the equivalent of anyone else saying it was a dumpster fire. (laughs) Yeah. So DC gets a lot of flack just for that. Right. Well, I mean, at this point, I mean, how many directors, the Flash movie, I don't know if it'll ever actually get made. Uh, Ezra Miller was in the Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover on the TV show. They've had so many directors come and go from that show, from that movie. Uh, I'm, you know, and they may have already pulled the plug on it. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. But it's it's one of those. It was just like, oh, and then, oh, and oh, and honestly, Narnia kind of did that Narnia, you know, back in the day, Narnia was going to be. The big franchise after Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. you know, Disney was gearing up for Narnia to be the next big thing. And The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe did great. And Prince Caspian eh, was watchable. The Voyage of the Dawn Treader was okay. It, yeah. And they just got more and more mediocre as they went. And they only made three of the seven movies. So you can look, there are a lot more failures than there are successes in the let's have a franchise. 
Yeah. Even now, The Hobbit. I mean, The Lord of the Rings were stellar, but they decided to go back and make The Hobbit, and they definitely improve on further viewing, but they were not the kind of success that they wanted. No. The thing is, you've had, you, you now have five Disney-era Star Wars movies. The thing is, is there's only one that is that I would put notably below the others. Mm-hmm. And it's still better than... I still put it ahead of Attack of the, Attack Clones. Of the Clones and The Phantom Menace. And it might deserve to be above The Rod Skywalker. It's a better made movie. I mean, then, uh, then it might deserve to be above Revenge of the Sith. It's a better made movie oh, but than Revenge of the Sith. But pathos, my heart. The, the story is better in Revenge of the Sith than it is in The Last Jedi. Yeah. But, and, and this is not a, a continue to pile on the last Jedi conversation. But my point is, is that there's only one that I've had real hangups about. Right. And a lot of other people have had hangups with different, you know, different selections. But I I would say that by and large, if you take Rogue One and The Force Awakens and The Rise of Skywalker and consider, Mm -hmm. although critically, The Rise of Skywalker, not a success. I mean, its, its reviews were relatively bad. But I think a lot of those reviewers were... Thought The Last Jedi was the most... I mean, do you remember after the critic screenings for Last Jedi? I mean, it was billed as like the tour de force, the greatest Star Wars, the greatest movie ever created or conceived by humans. And so I think a lot of those people, because they liked The Last Jedi so much and heralded it as this great thing, Mm -hmm. I think they took it personally Right. When the rise of Skywalker turned some of those things around. Right. I think you're right. Although Solo, although I feel that Solo is a really great movie, and I think most people who actually gave it a chance wound up liking it. A lot of people did not give it a chance because of all of the what? Behind the scenes drama. Well, that one kind of got a double whammy because you had behind the scenes drama and you had people who were unwilling to accept someone else in the role of Han Solo. Yep. Um, they should not have started. Like I said, I love the movie. They should not have started with Solo for established characters. Probably not. When they said, we're going to make a Han Solo movie, and everyone said, no, including me, by the way. I was mm-hmm. very unenthusiastic. They should have heeded it and went, okay, something else instead. Yeah. I don't know. I My whole thing is, and like I said, I, I don't want, you know, this isn't about attacking someone or or calling for someone's job. No. It's, it, the, the thing is, is. Something's got to give. Something does have to give. You, you've got to step back. You've got to acknowledge that it's really not acceptable to have this much drama with everything you try to do. Except the Mandalorian. But my, my, in, okay, so the Cassian series, they weren't happy with the scripts. And I get that. Move on, mm-hmm. fix the scripts, sort right. it out. But the problem is, is we know now that this Obi Wan thing has been in the works for years, for a long time. That, that this is something they've wanted to do since they bought it. Right. And, and even McGregor has said as much that he's been sitting on this for, for a while. Right. And why did you not, if you were so excited and you've been wanting to do this for years, 
why was there not better planning for something that was that was started years out how did they get all the way to production how did they have a crew that they had to send home how do you get all the way to that point before well because what what Ewan McGregor basically said was after the rise of Skywalker came out some people kind of took a closer look and decided there were things they want to change how in heaven's name do you let something get that far along? It's like somebody gets to the altar and they're like, I think I want to do it, have a different plan. Like, okay, I mean, yeah, that's better than getting married and like trying to fix it after that. But yeah. for the love of heaven, figure it out before then. Well, is this the danger in going forward with these new big budget TV series? While making movies. Well, no, not that, but doing them, because you're, you're talking two different departments. They should be able to handle this. Okay. So the typical TV show is written by a team of writers. Right. But we're writing these TV shows like movies, and we're sending these people off by themselves to write these scripts, and then they're bringing them in, and everybody's going, no, this is terrible. Right. <laughs> I question the sending these writers off to write these things on their own. And then come back in with the full thing completed with, without oversight from a team of a team of additional writers or a story group or for a example. story group. Yeah, can you imagine if Lucasfilm had their own story group that who's in would charge be, of? And they all like knew so much about Star Wars. Although they've been doing it for twenty years. In fairness, we don't know if story group stuff. I mean, story group their their whole thing is keeping canon straight. Right. So we don't know that it's a story group issue. Right. Or if it was just bad writing. Yeah. Either way, somebody should have caught this before we started production. Right. And so the bottom line is this ultimately falls, has to fall on the boss. Right. It's, the it's boss's not a, boss's boss. It's not a matter of me wanting to go after Kathleen Kennedy's head. It's that she's the boss. Right. And as long as there's this much drama going on, Behind the scenes with every single Star Wars product. Because by all accounts, the getting that last movie done was a nightmare. Right. Uh, with the Colin Trevorrow stuff. And we're going to talk about that in a minute with some of the stuff that's leaked out. I'm not going all into that Colin Trevorrow script, whether it's even real or not. I don't care. It's not the movie. It's not canon. I don't care. Right. You get rewrites on things all the time and, and screaming for that version of it that didn't get made. It's real easy to say this was going to be exactly what we wanted because we didn't get it. Right. Again, and, to use the marriage analogy, it's like if only I had married him when I was, you know, 18, we could have been happy forever. Well, he may have been terrible. And, and the thing <laughs> is, is the longer I sit, the longer passes after seeing The Rise of Skywalker, the more I think I like that movie. Oh, yeah. I definitely, definitely um, love the movie. And that was always my thing with The Last Jedi. I would walk out of a out of the theater, like, jacked up, like, and then you kind of start coming down off that high and go, I don't know how I feel. It's the weirdest thing. It was so weird because it's like, I'd be like, this is the greatest thing ever. And then the next day I'd be like, maybe not the greatest thing ever. And then a week later, like, I don't think I liked it at all. Then you watch it again, you're like, it's the most wonderful thing I've ever seen. And then the mm -hmm. next day you're like, it's a, it's a, it's, it's like a, a drug a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and it's one of those things because it, it is, it, it's nothing wrong with that movie as a, as a Star Wars movie. It just like, and, and I will say it. I, I fully believe now, and I said this 
I kind of thought this after the Force Awakens. I said it after the Last Jedi, and I just the for, the Rise of Skywalker completely confirms it. Going forward and calling this the continuation of the Skywalker saga was a massive mistake. It was a marketing error for sure. You could have had Luke and Leia and Han and Lando and Chewie and all the others in this movie and not had it be have to be a continuation of the Skywalker saga. Right. It should have been the beginning of a new story, a new saga. Right. With those characters there to kind of usher in the new era. I, I think that a lot of the problems go away if you weren't hinging it on how original trilogy characters were treated and handled in this right. movie, because it takes that pressure off. Well, yeah. And you're, I'm, I'm sitting here looking at a picture of us with Hayden Christensen at a celebration. And you're, you're trumpeting this as the end of the story that started with, you know, Anakin Skywalker on Tatooine it's not. It no, has the, the zilch, you, zero, nothing at all to do with Anakin Skywalker. No, not really. Not until you decide to bring the Emperor back. And then you really, we discussed that before. You kind of damage Anakin's legacy a little bit. Yeah. Like, okay, I say that. Daniel made a very sound argument for what that does. Does it lessen Anakin's sacrifice? And right. Anakin's sacrifice, his sacrifice, the decision that he made was not to save the galaxy. Right. It was not even to kill the emperor. It was to save his son. Right. So in that sense, Anakin's sacrifice is still 100% intact. Right. And as far as going forward, that's the only way to look at Anakin's sacrifice now. Right. Because we don't, we don't go forward going, well, we destroyed Anakin's whole thing we didn't we we right. we allowed him to save his son who went on to begin to rebuild the order and even though he his his temple fails his students are all dead he was still able to be there to pass on that knowledge to ray to put right. ray in a position to recreate the order and when we go back and we consider the fact that this whole story just like greek mythology is Fate and right. destiny. It, it's easy to say, it, you know, Anakin fulfilled his end goal. Mm -hmm. His mandate. It, yes. And then Luke carried the torch as the last Jedi. Right. And it, it just wasn't his, it wasn't him that was supposed to recreate. Right. The order. He was basically just sort of the, um, he was the bridge. Right. He was the he bridge was, between the old Jedi Order and the future. He's this prophet in the mediary. Okay, so here's the thing. Basically, to draw a religious parallel, we kind of, whenever we started talking about the Chosen One, we sort of had the idea that Anakin Skywalker was supposed to be some sort of almost messianic figure. He was supposed to be the one, you know, capital the chosen one, not a chosen one, but the chosen one. He was a unique, one-of-a-kind entity, and he doesn't have to be, you know, and I think we've sort of created a version of the story where he's not, but that is kind of how who we thought he was. Yeah. Well, so it the, makes Anakin Skywalker <laughs> not 
doesn't make his sacrifice less sacrificial. It doesn't make his love less genuine, but it makes him not, it makes him another, a, a fallen and converted prophet rather than a Messiah. Well, we don't, we don't really get that or, or really what we truly get if we want to make the religious parallel, particularly a Christ figure, mm-hmm. is that the Skywalker family as a whole has filled that, that role. That's true. With a little bit of Lucifer thrown in there for good measure. Right. I mean, we're we're clearly not talking a, a direct right, yeah. parallel, but I ju- I mean like the whole falling and, you know. Yeah. So, it's just it's it's a, it's looking at him a little differently because basically they reframed him in the prequels as not just a Sith Lord, but as the chosen one. And so and then, well, later, well, is then Obi-Wan says maybe he thinks Luke's the chosen one. Who is the actually the chosen one? Of course, as is pointed out in uh, Master and Apprentice, frequently, loudly, and pointedly. Prophecy is vague and open to interpretation. So maybe we've all been reading those prophecies wrong for all these years. Right. And and as far as just the whole chosen one thing, you could argue that going that route in the prequels was just an error. <laughs> that maybe yeah. that was maybe that was the mistake. Maybe, but it's done now. So now we have to make it all work because we like mythology and we have to. Well, make I mean, it that was the whole thing. <laughs> like back when the prequels came out, we all kind of went, "Well, he's the chosen one," but we already know how he dies. Like, how did he bring balance to the force? Like that came out, and we were all asking that question. Like, and we never got an answer. <laughs> and when they're like, "We're finishing the Skywalker saga," we're like, "Yes, we're gonna finally figure out how the heck is Anakin Skywalker supposed to be the chosen one?" And it well, was like, "Eh, bring I, the balance back, like I, I did." But I, how did you? That doesn't make sense. I, I thought that, and I, I really thought that we were gonna see Anakin. That. That right there, that is my one real disappointment with the rise of Skywalker. Honestly, for a brief moment, I thought they were going to go there in the rise of Skywalker Mm -hmm. because Ray can't strike him down, can't strike the Emperor down. Right. We've already established in these places, at least in these places that are powerful or strong in the Force. We we haven't seen it elsewhere, but we've seen Force ghosts interact with the physical world in these places that are powerful with the force. Oh. And I if like it had been Anakin, if yes. it had been Anakin that interceded on behalf of Kylo and Rey. If he was basically the conduit. Oh, that would have been better. All right, everyone, we just fixed all of your issues with the rise of Skywalker. We I, probably didn't, but I, <laughs> I would have been much happier with that. And I loved the movie. I thought the movie was great, but that was the one thing, like, you know. Um, well, I, I've been saying since The Force Awakens, how is this a continuation of the Skywalker saga? Right. And the truth is, is that it really vaguely, it only vaguely is. Right. Um, other than that, we have someone now carrying on the legacy of the Skywalkers. Which Although is cool. it's weird and to call is, it the end because she's kind of just beginning. But I think the... The actual blood Skywalkers But are, I think with the final destruction of Palpatine, we've seen the end of this story, this saga, this story arc. Yeah. You know, arcs generally end when the crisis is averted. Right. So I think that... 
yes, now he is fully 100% destroyed, put the bookend on it, and right. now whatever comes next, even if Daisy Ridley comes back and does another movie, then, you know, yeah. it doesn't have to be a continuation of the saga. I know a lot of people are unhappy about them bringing Palpatine back. But I really feel like that's the only sort of tenuous claim that it has to being the end of that story, is that Palpatine is back. I think if Palpatine doesn't come back, then you... I think it's the only thing that vaguely ties it into the Skywalker storyline. Now, I think they could have done something with Anakin Skywalker, and it would have still worked. But I think those are your only two options. To make it the Skywalker story. Yeah. I Some of the others, I was fine with just the voice, but we should have seen Anakin. Yes. I agree. I feel that very strongly. So, um, anyway, that, I don't even know how we got there, but <laughs> um, from the, the problems with the... The drama. Oh, ultimately, though, I find it ironic that Bob Iger kind of like came out and was like, you know, I'm taking responsibility. The buck stops here. I'm the boss's boss's boss. Um, you know, we're going to kind of take a step back and kind of get things in order. And the drama starts up again immediately. Yeah. <laughs> now, it may be that now that, and I, you know, it may be now that nine is passed and now we're officially in this time of retooling. Mm-hmm. That maybe we are finally ironing out the kinks, the kinks, and we're going to get get this sorted out. I don't think Kathleen Kennedy's there long term. Yeah, I think her contract that that they extended a couple years or a year ago or so mm-hmm. was specifically to have someone there to set this next stage in motion. Right, but I mean, she will be gone. About the time the next movie comes out, unless they renew her con- extend her contract again. Right. And I've never thought that Kathleen Kennedy would want to stay at Lucasfilm forever. I mean, she's used to doing a lot of different things. And this certainly isn't a, like, plush retirement plan. <laughs> right. You know, and I mean, she's, you know, a lot of times filmmakers, you know, are involved in, in film forever, but they don't typically stay in this much of a grind this long. And that's, that's got to be an incredibly grueling job. So I still think that they've got to find someone, even if Kathleen Kennedy stays on board as the head of Lucasfilm, we need a creator. Yes. That is overseeing, you know, not every, I don't, we don't need somebody like micromanaging every aspect of the Star Wars universe, but someone that's meeting with the writers and someone that's meeting with the directors, somebody that does what Kevin Feige does at Marvel. And that is not me saying that Star Wars should follow the Marvel model. We need someone to do what George Lucas did for Empire Strikes Back right. to be like, here's a story, have fun. Mm-hmm. That's all, you know, that's all they need. Yeah. So, you need somebody with, you need a grand creative vision. Yes. And I really do think that that may be what Project Luminous is about. I Is about so. creating this broad spectrum of, yep. of new characters and new places and new problems, new villains. Right. Uh, 
and we get this as our roadmap for whoever's coming in to do the next movie. Right. Uh, so there's some rumor going around that Knights of the Old Republic may be getting a remake of sorts. Yeah. I mean, it. Robbie considers it one of his favorite Star Wars movies, right? <laughs> True. <laughs> Uh, although I think I don't I think it I, well, I don't know it was Shadows of the Empire was okay. the one that Robbie considered okay. one of his uh, favorite movies. But you know we heard the rumors that Project Luminous may involve a video game that's already in development. Yep. Well, EA is now we have rumors that EA is handling some sort of retooling of the Knights of the Old Republic story. That'd be great to kind of make it fit in with the current canon. Although truth be told, it was set so far before that you, I don't see, you could slide Knights of the Old Republic right into canon and never flinch. It It wouldn't affect anything. Right. Because it's so far back. I mean, I'm just, okay, so the, the, Old Republic video game. No, this isn't the original Knights of the Old Republic game, but the one no, that the came Old out, Republic. You're talking about the open world game, the RPG. I'm talking those like shorts that they had in their commercials. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for all their expansion packs, they had. Oh trailers. my gosh, they were. Um, I'm like, I would watch any one of those movies. Mm-hmm. Where are those people? Can we please get them to write some Star Wars? I am serious about that, y'all. Yeah. I mean, that was amazing. Well, the thing is, is we keep going and getting all these writers to write Star Wars movies when there are writers who have been writing Star Wars for decades now. Right. And we're not utilizing them properly. Some of them who have not even written the first Star Wars book in new canon. Yep. And no. are a little salty about it if anyone's keeping track. Um, I mean, the fact that Michael Stackpole hasn't written something in the new canon Mm -hmm. is, you know, and I don't know, maybe he doesn't want to. You've heard him talking at Dragon Con, pretty sure he has not been asked. That's what it sounded like. (laughs) But at least that's his his version of uh, what he's insinuating. You've got a lot of stuff going on, but I mean, that's the he's the one that really stands out. But I I mean, Kevin J. Anderson hasn't come back and written anything for the new. Mm hmm canon either granted he is now writing continuing the dune story so he may not be is he continue okay who's finishing the wheel of time i don't know it's it seems that we're not but again i really there's a possibility that all these things i'm complaining about are getting ready to get are exactly what project luminous is about resolving i hope so um I'm I'm anxious to see that. And we got some news we're going to get. They've got a uh, meeting coming up where they're going to show us, I think, February 24th. We're going to start finding out stuff about Project Luminous. I'm, I'm here for it. You know, in spite of the fact that there's been so much drama and it's kind of like, kind of like watching your sports team lose sometimes, you know, being a Star Wars fan right now, just be, you know, just kind of the like wind out of your sails, like, Oh, Obi-Wan. Oh, you know, um, right. I'm still really optimistic and, you know, maybe, maybe that's just me. I was really optimistic about the rise of Skywalker and I got pretty much everything I wanted out of that movie, except for Anakin Skywalker. Um, I mean, but, but other than that, pretty much everything that movie was 
everything that I hoped it was going to be. So my my optimism, I feel like, was well paid out. So I'm continuing to be optimistic in spite of the fact that, you know, there's there's definitely more drama than I would like. And I would like to see somebody get their act together or a bunch of somebody's or whatever. I'm still really optimistic about what's coming next. And I think the next season, you know, I mean, call me crazy, but I think that what's coming is is better than what 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 we've had before. Not necessarily everything we've had before, but I mean, I don't see any reason why Star Wars shouldn't just keep getting better. I'm just I'm ready for that movie that I'm I'm ready for a Star Wars movie that cracks my top three. Yes. I mean, when, your top three. Do you remember what your top three were when we did? I know that Revenge of the Sith was my one. I think that A New Hope was two. I don't remember what my third one was. Okay. Because mine is Empire, A New Hope, and then I have Rogue One and Jedi sitting kind of yeah. right there on top of each other. Mm-hmm. I might have made said Rogue One was my top three. But I'm ready for a big Star Wars movie that I'll watch. I, you know... 43 years that this has been, that Star Wars has existed Mm -hmm. and we're, we're talking all this stuff and it's like, yes, your, your goal should be to write something and create something that everybody puts at the top of their list. Yeah. Like the Mandalorian. I mean, there's very few naysayers on that out there. I mean, the internet is the internet. There's always going to be somebody who hates everything, but overwhelmingly positive. Mm-hmm. I mean, and not just among Star Wars people. I'm I'm a member of several different nerd groups on Facebook, you know, uh, Dragon Con page and things like that. And overwhelmingly, um, we have gotten people who are so happy about The Mandalorian. I want a Star Wars movie that gets that kind of response from people. Mm-hmm. Honestly... And not that I'm saying that I think it needs to be better. I just want something that everyone can agree is that good. Not that I don't think, I mean, like I said, I love Rogue One. I thought this Rise of Skywalker was phenomenal. I thought Solo was great. I really liked Force Awakens. I think that Last Jedi is an incredibly beautiful movie. But I'm ready for a Star Wars movie that people just don't fight about. And honestly, I think the solution is to find somebody whose name doesn't end in Skywalker. Maybe. I I still... Or Solo or Kenobi. I want to see I want to see us talk about somebody altogether different that we don't have expectations about. After Obi-Wan, after Obi-Wan, we want Obi-Wan people make it happen. I just wanted to make one movie without we haven't had a, a Star Wars movie made without drama except for The Force Awakens. Yep, it's true. And I'm ready to like I said, I'm ready to see everybody go, "I loved it." That's what I'm excited about. Yeah. I want to see a, a movie that is as universally well-liked as The Mandalorian on, on a big screen that you don't have to have Disney Plus. Although, let's not kid ourselves. We're going to have Disney Plus till the day we die. That's all our kids watch these days. So do we want to talk any about the Colin Trevorrow? So how much better it was going to be? And if only we had gotten the Colin Trevorrow movie, all of our hopes and dreams would have been satisfied. I mean, I haven't read any of the supposed script leaks or, or any of that stuff that's floating around out there. I've seen the little bits of... The pictures. The, the pictures. They're pretty. I, they are, but... And, and I don't know who... I, I don't know who's responsible for those images. I don't know if we're ever going to see them in any other form or if it's just those leaks and then they just disappear into oblivion 
or what, but they look like Macquarie ripoffs to me. Mm, okay. Uh, the the styling was very very Macquarie, at least with uh, the shot of of Ray. It almost I mean she's practically wearing Luke's Return of the Jedi, Jedi. outfit. Yeah. The shot of Vader and Kylo fighting is yeah. a, almost a complete ripoff of Macquarie's shot of Luke and Vader. Well, and that may have been what they were going for. It could have been. You know, um, it could have been that they were really looking for at least a reminiscent kind of concept look. I don't know. I, I put the, the whole Colin Trevorrow script up there with the whole give us the J.J. Abrams cut. The J.J. cut. It's like, no. It's like, we have this. It's canon. Let the rest of it go because... You're never going to get it. You can whine and scream all about the it people all you want. who wanted, you know, remake the Last Jedi. Just don't. Just be like, this is what we got. Figure out how to like it or don't, and move on. Move forward. I think that there was kind of some talk about there being a Battle of Coruscant. I mean, I would have been down with seeing some of the old places. Yeah. So we're going to talk about Ray. I, I mean, do you have anything specifically, any thoughts on the, the Colin Trevorrow thing? We're going to get into the Ray stuff next week. Okay. Uh, in fact, I think that'll probably be our our, our show, our next, show week. next week is breaking down Ray. You know, I don't really have any. I think that there is a reason that Colin Trevorrow and Lucasfilm parted ways. And I'm very, now I'm very happy with the movie we got. If I had hated it, maybe I would be all over the things that it looked like Trevorrow was going to do. You know, basically kind of the the thing I keep hearing is this was going to be a sequel to The Last Jedi. Well, why? The Last Jedi wasn't a sequel to The Force Awakens. So, you know, how dare you disrespect Ryan Johnson? Well, well, that's the thing. Everybody's acting, you know, the whole, give me a break with the talking about respect what Ryan Johnson created. This isn't Ryan Johnson's creation. Right. These characters weren't Ryan Johnson's creature characters. J.J. Abrams created these characters. Mm -hmm. So, for the love of heaven, let the man finish his story how he wants to. Right. That's just my um, two cents I, from where I'm sitting. Right. And I, I hopefully some lessons have been learned about how to proceed with a Star Wars movie, if you're going to do a series. Mm -hmm. I do like the idea of we're talking about going more to a series of movies where trilogies aren't necessarily the end goal you know and if we yeah. need five movies to tell a story that's awesome right um we don't have to we don't have to make three hobbits just so we can be like and there are three of them right for example because they didn't want to make two which they should have right oddly enough the only thing that makes the the two long hobbit trilogy better is when you get the extended cuts and make it longer it really does make it better it's very bizarre it doesn't make any sense like, seriously, the worst thing about the Hobbit movies was that they were too long. But you make it an hour longer, and it's way better. The worst thing about the Hobbit movies was the frame rate they were filmed at. That ruined that movie for me. Yeah. The Desolation of Smog, I only got to see it in 3D in the new film rate. And I just, like, I could have walked out of the theater at any point <laughs> in that movie and just been fine. Um, and that's, that's not, I mean, like, I'm a huge Tolkien fan. Like, I, I didn't want that to be the thing. But the thing is, in rewatching the movie, not in that film rate, I enjoyed it. Right. It just didn't look right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we got some new stuff, but I just, I really don't have anything to add on the Colin Trevorrow stuff. Like, I, 
I wasn't like just awed by the the everybody seems to be so in awe over the couple of the, the few images that mm-hmm. are out there and they're derivative. Yeah. I mean they are. They're I, pretty. They're pretty, but they're derivative. Yeah. And they're they're nothing new, they're nothing spectacular. Uh, you know, on their own, in their own right. They build on the back of something that came before them. And really, I mean, that's not really what you're usually going for with concept images. I mean, if you're just talking concept images, that's what those are. They're concept images, but they literally already exist. Right. You can go get the Art of Ralph Macquarie book, and those images are basically in there. Speaking of concept images, when are we going to get that book for the concept art from The Mandalorian? Oh, man. They need to put that out. I, yeah. I haven't heard anything about that, mm-hmm. but it needs to exist. They're the, clearly really proud of it. It's the end credits. Yeah, I know, don't know whose decision that was. But yeah, I mean, it's beautiful artwork. Mm-hmm. There are several that I would buy. Like if they came available, I would go find the money and buy them right now to put yeah. on my wall. Mm-hmm. What? Where? Your I, walls are covered. Covered in... Nerdy things, pictures of you with nerdy celebrities and a giant life-size Captain America shield. I'd find somewhere <laughs> and start mounting things on the ceilings. On the ceilings. That's what you're going to have to do. So one of the kids got Andrew a Rise of Skywalker poster for Christmas, and it still rolled up because there's nowhere to put right. it. Right. I've also we got put the it on Force the Awakens and the Last Jedi poster still rolled up because I yeah. have nowhere to put them. <laughs> you could start putting them on the ceiling. I mean, why not? <laughs> All right, y'all. Well, it's been real. All right. So that's going to do it for this episode of Coruscant Radio Underground. Marisha, where can people find you online? Well, you can find me on Instagram, um, princesses underscore and underscore Padawans. And I'm not really doing much in internet world these days. I'm mostly trying to get my house clean because I just can't live like this anymore. <laughs> But eventually, um, or actually starting to work on Dragon Con cons- costumes. Well, we're going to do Mississippi Comic Con. That's right. And if you if you live within driving distance of Jackson, Mississippi, Billy D. Williams is scheduled to be at Mississippi Comic Con this June. He is indeed. And we will be there with bells on. The kids are so excited. Maybe their parents a little bit too. Um, and then, you know, we had kind of, kind of made, had some hopes about going to Celebration. We even bought tickets, but. Um, it's just not panning out for us to make it to Anaheim. So we may have to wait until they bring it a little closer. Uh, I'm not giving up on, on bring celebration to new Orleans. Yes. And if you are in need of celebration tickets, you can hit Andrew up on Twitter (laughs) because we need to sell ours. (laughs) Um, so, so yeah, so we, we're, uh, we're gearing up for dragon con. We just have ways to do that one a little cheaper and it's a lot closer. We can drive. We don't have to fly. Right. So I hope everybody still comes to Dragon Con because it's they're they're literally a week apart. Yeah. So we'll see who who doesn't make it to Dragon Con this year. But I mean, they're on opposite sides of the country. People who are driving are still coming to Dragon Con. Yeah, I think so. All right. But anyway, uh, my name is Andrew Gore. You can find me running the Twitter account for this podcast at Sci underscore Fictionary. You can drop us a line at CourseNotRadio Underground at gmail.com. And, of course, share the podcast. Let us know what you thought about it. And until next week, may the Force be with you.